Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, good morning again. It is, uh, it's really great to be with all of you here today, and especially as we're in this new series called The Armor of God. And this series is, is just incredibly powerful and incredibly important, and I want to encourage you not to miss a single week, because we're going to talk about something in this series that, uh, honestly, I, I, I grew up going to church all the time. Maybe you did too, maybe you didn't, um, but I, I did grow up going to church often, and I never once heard a message or even a series about what we're going to talk about through this whole series. And so I'm so encouraged and so excited that uh, we get to journey uh, through this series together, especially because it's so incredibly important for our lives. And, and what we've been learning primarily is this, that we are in a constant battle. We are in a constant battle, but we do not battle against each other. We do not battle against um, flesh and blood. We battle against spiritual forces. This series is just this awesome series, okay? That's, God was just confirming that, okay? Uh, but anyway, this series, through this series, we learned last week that in, the, in our lives, this spiritual battle that we have is, is against very specific types of evil. And we're going to see that as we open up the passage again today. And each week, we're just going to kind of review this, this battle that we're having because it is with very specific things in our lives that oftentimes are recurring, things that happen over and over and over again. And they happen in, oftentimes in our lives in patterns. And so what we want to do is see how we can have victory in those areas, and, uh, and that's what we're going to learn together. Now, Pastor Chris made a really important point last week when he was talking about uh, this fight, this battle that we're constantly in. In fact, he said this, when struggling against the forces of evil, truth prevails. When struggling against the force, forces of evil, truth prevails. And what he meant by that was this, that we have to know the truth in order to fight against evil, in order to know what is evil, in order to stand up against it. And so we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it up. And, and, and listen, if you have a Bible in your possession, like at home or something, I want to encourage you so much to bring it during this series, because I think there are things in this passage that we should all be underlining and highlighting and making notes in the margins, uh, because they're so incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important for our lives. And it explains a lot of why we struggle the way that we struggle. And so if you, if you don't have a Bible, but you have a smartphone, I want to encourage you, most of the apps that you can download for Bibles have a, a feature where you touch the verse that you want to highlight or make a note on. And when you touch it, there's an option that says, you know, highlight it or make a note. Uh, I would encourage you to use that because you're going to be able to save those things. And when you're going through a time of testing or maybe a, a trial, you feel like, man, this is, I know I heard Pastor Chris, Pastor Brad, or Pastor Mark, or whoever talk about this. I want to go back and review that. You can do that in those apps, and they're really awesome. So I'd encourage you to do that as well. But we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to jump right in here to verse 10 and through verse 18. Incredibly important passage. Here's what it says. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after, you battle, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. 
Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you have shown us what is wrong in our lives, what is wrong in the world, and you have given us armor to stand against the attack of the enemy. You've given us truth that we can stand up for you and for the things of you in this world. And I pray, God, for all of us that you'll open our hearts, that you'll give us boldness, and that you'll lead us and guide us as we go through this series together. In Jesus' name, amen. So Pastor Chris explained something very, very important last week about this first part of this passage, and I just want to reiterate kind of what he said and and re-examine it just briefly with you. The first thing is, in verses 10 and 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, so you are able to stand against the craftiness of the devil. Put on all of God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Now, the in- interesting thing here is that the, the Greek word, the, it was originally, this letter was originally written in Greek, and uh, the Apostle Paul wrote it to a church at Ephesus, and he wrote it in Greek, and, and the one word that he wrote that is translated here as craftiness is actually a word called methodias, methodias. Now, as Pastor Chris pointed out last week, you can see an English word in there, can't you? The word method, right? Now, this is the point that is so crucially important for all of us to understand, the devil, Satan, our enemy, if you're a follower of Jesus, he is our enemy. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, he's still your enemy. Okay? Our enemy, he has a method. He has a plan. He has a strategy to overtake us. I mean, we're not making that up. It says it right here in the text. In the letter that Paul wrote, he said, listen, guys, you need to understand something. The devil, your enemy, he's got a plan to overtake you. He's got a plan of attack. He is going to come at you with everything that he has. So you better be ready. You better have a method. You better have a strategy. And in fact, God has given us a strategy and a method. And I'm going to share that with you. In fact, that's what he goes on to say. And look at verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. And Pastor Chris pointed out in this verse that there are four very specific, particular forces of evil that we all face. And the Apostle Paul wrote them out here, and we read them as rulers and authorities, forces in this dark world. We read those things, but in the, in the Greek, and this is really, really important, in the Greek, each one of those has a, a definite article before a proper noun, okay? So it is actually the something, okay? So those forces of evil have names, and as we learned last week, those names represent demons, So they are actual demons that are coming at us, that are attacking us, and and Satan uses them to accomplish his will to destroy us ultimately. And so we want to review those briefly together. Look at this verse. Because of our struggle, it is not against blood and flesh, but against Tos Arcus. Tos Arcus. That's the first one there. It's called the first. The first. And here's what the first says. This demon says, I was here first, and you have no right to be here. I was here first, and you have no right to be here. 
Now, some of us have probably experienced that at one point or another. Like when we try to take the message of Jesus to where we work or maybe to where we have fun and, and it's not a place where Jesus' name has been lifted up before or maybe it's, it's somewhere that uh, maybe could even be your home. But we take, try to take the message of God that, that there's a God who loves us and sent his son to die for us. And we try to take that message. And as we go, we, we sense just this presence of shut up. You don't have the right to be here. Get out of here. Well, if you're going to be here, don't say anything. So you see, we have that experience in a lot of places. And that is under the influence of Tos Arcus, the first the one who is the first. Now, the thing that we need to understand is this, that the Bible does not say in the very first chapter, in the very first line of the Bible, it does not say, in the beginning, toss Arcus. It doesn't say that. It says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And the apostle John, who wrote the gospel of John, actually said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And later on, John says, and the word became flesh. And his name was Jesus. And so God and Jesus were there in the beginning. God and Jesus, they, they created everything. God created everything. He even created Tosarchus. He even created the demon who, who we're going to talk about next who says, you don't have the right to speak. God created these demons. Now, their roles were not what they are as we're studying here. God gave them glorious roles in the beginning. But because those demons rebelled against God, the scripture says, God cast them down to the earth. And there they became completely sinful and they take on these roles of saying, you can't come here. I was here first. And then we look on to the next one. It says, against tos exousios, that is the right to speak. Tos exousios is often translated as authorities, authorities. But what a tos exousios says is, listen, listen, you you." can be here, but you don't have the right to say anything. You just stay quiet. Don't mention the name of God, the name of Jesus. Don't point to him. Don't do anything like that. You don't have the right to do that. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel that a lot in, in our culture, right? I feel like I, feel like I can't go into, a, 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 let me use a good example, Panera Bread, okay? I don't go there very often because I love bread and I'd eat that place down, okay? But, um, you know, so I don't go there. But, but Panera Bread, okay? So you walk in there, and, and I don't feel like I have the right to say, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you. God loves you. And, and, and that's me. And, and I know, like, deep down, I know that that's wrong because what God says is, listen, I was here first. You have every right to explain who I am and what I've done to everybody and anybody. And so it's so important that we understand that that is a, a spiritual force that's fighting against us that, that is constantly saying, listen, you can go in here. Don't say anything. I want you to walk in fear here. But do you know what God said? God said that perfect love, when we love God and we experience his love, it casts out fear. And so when we cast out fear, we can know for certain. I could go into Panera Bread and say, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you and that bread loves me. So give it to me. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Boom. Okay, so the next one we see is against tos pneumatica ton ponerios. We're just going to call it ponerios from, from here on out. Okay, this is, uh, I'm sorry, I skipped over one. The most, one with the coolest name, actually. This, this, that, the next one is actually against uh, Cosmocratibus. 
Cosmocratimus. Now, this, this demon is the one of, that we refer to as the materialistic demon. He's the one who says, hey, listen, it doesn't matter who you walk over or how you get there. You just get what you want because you deserve it. It's the demon of materialism. And all of us in America have experienced the, the presence and the power of this one. It says, hey, listen, you know, it would be right for you to offer this job to that person, but you just need to take it yourself, right? You, you just need to do this. You just need to hide that so you can get what, what you want here. That is the, the spiritual influence of Cosmocratus. And, and so we have to be aware of that because he is very prevalent in our culture. And then the last one is Ponerios. And Ponerios is, is the one that is very, very serious. He's the one who ultimately wants to destroy us, to kill us, to actually cause us harm. He's the spirit of malice. And Ponerios is very present in our culture. In fact, Pastor Chris said last week, you know, is he effective in, our, in the American culture, you know, because he's, he's a pretty rough dude, you know. And the answer is yes, he is. In the past 50 years, we've killed upwards of, of several million, tens of millions of unborn babies. And, and listen, today, if that was... If that was you, you made that decision. We're not condemning you today. We want you to know God loves you so much, and he has a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He wants to renew your life. But the reality is that that, that is murder, and it is against God's plan. God will forgive it. But it is not God's plan and purpose. And so that's been a part of our culture. But also, you can turn on the news, and you can see uh, Ponerios everywhere. You know, you turn on the news, see killings in uh, in Pittsburgh, and, and even in local rural regions. It's crazy these days. But the spirit of malice that we sense and we fight against is everywhere. In fact, let me, let me point it out this way. Jesus said uh, to, one his, to his disciples as he was teaching them, you've heard it said, do not murder. And they're like, yeah, we know. Don't, don't kill somebody. Like literally, physically take out a knife or a gun and, and kill them. But Jesus said, no, actually, I'm talking about don't get angry with them. Don't call them names out of anger. Now, when it comes down to that level, I bet all of us have probably murdered somebody at one time or another. And maybe, uh, maybe you want to murder somebody right now with your words. But Jesus says, listen, when you do that out of your anger, you, you murder them. And that's, that's incredibly important because that is this spirit. That is a, an influence of this spirit, Ponerios. And so what we learn in this passage in verse 12 is that we are fighting this very real, painfully real, spiritual battle. And it influences, it influences us every day. And so what are we supposed to do? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a very clear uh, and structured answer. Here's what he said in verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. So the Apostle Paul points out that, listen, we're in this very real spiritual battle, but God has provided for us a very real and, and spiritual suit of armor that we can wear, that we can use to defend ourselves against the attack of the enemy. And he says the first thing is to affix the belt of truth. And that's what we talked about last week. Pastor Chris said, as I stated earlier, he said that uh, when struggling against the forces of evil, truth prevails. When struggling against the forces of evil, truth prevails. And what we learn 
there is this, that when we put on the belt of truth, we are saying, listen, Ponerios, Cosmocratimus, Arcus, guys, listen, you don't have any place here because I know the truth. I know that God was here first. I know that I have the right to speak. I know that God wants me to use my resources for his glory, not for myself. I know that God wants me to love people even when I don't want to love them. That is the truth. And when we affix ourselves with the belt of truth, we are protected from the attack of the enemy. We'll say, we can stand up and say, no. In fact, Jesus did that. He was a perfect example. Satan tempted Jesus here on the earth when Jesus was walking the earth. And, and he took him out into the desert and, and he hadn't had food and water for 40 days. And, and Satan says to Jesus, look down at those rocks. You could turn those rocks into bread and you could eat them because Jesus was God. And Jesus knew he could have done it. But he said, no, because man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, what Jesus was doing is he was taking that temptation that Satan was throwing at him, and he was quoting the truth of God, the scripture of God. Satan took Jesus to the uh, top of the temple, and he said, Jesus, why don't you throw yourself down? Because you would be the first person ever to fly and save yourself. Jesus said, no, I won't do that. You will not test the Lord your God. You see, Jesus could have done those things, but he didn't. He just quoted scripture against the temptation of the devil. And that's what we have to do as we put on the belt of truth. Now, today we're going to talk about the next piece of armor that we need to affix to ourselves, and that is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. And there are three very important truths that we have to learn about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I want you to look at it just briefly. Here is this amazing breastplate that is made of plastic and will uh, kill, you will die if somebody hits you with a sword, okay? But, but spiritually speaking, the breastplate of righteousness covers something in us that is extremely important because in real life, a breastplate of righteousness back in, in the days of Jesus, a breastplate protected what? Right, it, it protects your vital organs, right? You know, you can take an, you can take an arrow into the leg uh, and you could take an arrow into your foot, but if you take an arrow into your lungs or your heart, you're pretty much done. And the breastplate of righteousness for us as spiritual people protects us, protects our vital organs from the attack of the enemy. It keeps us safe because if we get hit right in the heart, we're going to die. In fact, that's what the essential organ, vital organ is for us, who everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, God has given you this thing called a heart. And the heart is where the seat of the will is. It's where our thoughts are. It's where our beliefs come from. And it ultimately is where our actions roll out of. In fact, the, the, there was a man named Solomon. And the Bible says he was the wisest man that ever lived aside from Jesus. And here's what he said about the heart. He said, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Of your life. You see, for those of us who are spiritual beings, we have to protect our hearts because it determines the course of our lives. Now, think about it this way think of your heart like a, like a capital city of a nation, okay? A capital city of a nation. Whenever an enemy comes to a nation, they want to take over the capital city of a nation for one primary purpose, and that is because within the city limits, are the decision makers, are the people with power. 
And these decision makers and these people with power from the, the capital city of a nation, they make decisions that ultimately affect the whole nation. And so enemies know that if they can go in and they can, they can attack that city and they can establish themselves in that city, then they can ultimately control the land, the entire nation. Well, the same is true in our spiritual lives. Our heart is the capital of our being. And the enemy wants to do war, make war, on the battleground of our heart. In fact, Jesus made that abundantly clear when he was talking about what happens oftentimes inside of our hearts. Here's what he said. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking places of rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. So you see, it's vitally important that we protect our hearts because as Jesus makes clear, there's a battle going on inside of there. That word house that Jesus used there, he is pointing to our hearts, that inside of our hearts we have this battle going on. And we have to protect our hearts. And that's what the breastplate of righteousness does for us, ultimately, is it protects our heart. That's the first thing that we need to understand about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, we're going to look at two very important things. And the first thing is this. It happens uh, as Jesus protects us through his own righteousness. So, in other words, the breastplate of righteousness protects us through Jesus' righteousness. Now, what I mean by that is this, that God had a plan ever since sin came into the world and broke the perfect relationship that God had with, with his creation. Okay, So I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe you don't know this, and that's fine. But, but we were meant to have a relationship with God. And because the, there's sin, a thing called sin in the world, which is really a divine transgression or breaking of God's law, because there is sin in the world, we cannot naturally have a relationship with God. And so we struggle and we want so badly to have this relationship. And so God had a plan even ever since the beginning that he was going to send his son Jesus into the world. And this is incredibly important. Jesus came into the world, born of a virgin, a little baby, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He grew up and never sinned once. Not once. He never told a lie. He never stole anything. He never hit anybody. He was never angry at people except for righteous anger. Jesus never sinned. And you see, what Jesus did was Jesus lived the perfect life. And the Bible says very clearly that this life is the standard that everybody who wants to be in relationship with God, they have to live by this standard. And here's the thing. None of us have ever nor will ever live up to God's standard. We will sin because the sin nature is a part of who we are. But Jesus was fully God and fully man, which allowed him the ability to live a perfect life. And, it, and when he died on the cross, he took on something very important, something that, that we learn from the word of God is called the wrath of God. And really in life, there's only one problem that humans have. I've said this before, but this is incredibly important. There's really only one problem. It's even worse than these four forces of evil that we battle against every day. And that one problem is the wrath of God. Because the wrath of God is poured out 
on sinfulness. It is poured out on sinful people. And it's a devastating thing. See, that's a, that's a really big problem because that's for everybody. That's for, that's for every person who has ever been born is under the wrath of God because of this sin nature that we naturally have. And so God made a way to be forgiven, to take his wrath off of us and be made right with him, put back into a right, right relationship with him. And that's how, and that's why he sent Jesus on the cross. When Jesus died, the scripture makes clear, Jesus took on the wrath of God for us. And the way we receive this life, this new life that we can have, Jesus said all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is put your trust in Jesus. And you can be forgiven. You're, the wrath of God is released from your life and you are what Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, you are hidden with Christ in God. In fact, look at this scripture from Colossians. So important. Colossians 3.3 3 says, For you died to this life. So when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are saying, this life that I'm living, it's, it's messed up. It's wrecked up. I know that I'm not supposed to live this life. I know that I'm supposed to live a different life. And I've known it all along, but I never knew what it was. And it is found in Jesus. And he says, when you do that, you die to this life. And then you are hidden with Christ in God. You are hidden with Christ in God. And what that means is this, that when God sees us, we are hidden inside of Jesus. We are, sitting, we are covered in his righteousness. And so when God sees us, he sees Jesus. He sees his son, and he welcomes his son into his presence, into his family. And that's why the apostle John says in John chapter 1, verse 12, that we have the right to be adopted as children of God because we are hidden with Christ in God. It was God's plan to rescue us from the wrath of God. And he does it through Jesus, and we receive it through faith in him. So that's the first thing about Jesus' righteousness that's incredibly important. But what about this battle that we have going on now with the forces of evil that we talked about here earlier? Well, it's incredibly important because as we look at, at this, there's a, there's a what is his name? I can't remember his name. Let me look back over here now. Exousias. Exousias. The demon Exousias will speak into our ears and say things like this. And, and the other demons do it too, but, but primarily him. He'll, he'll speak into our lives and say things like, you're not good enough. Or do you really think God could love you after what you just did? Or, you know what? You might have prayed a prayer to Jesus, but it didn't mean anything because you don't have the right to be here. In fact, exousias in the Greek, there, there's a couple of extra uh, definitions, and one of those definitions is, is privilege. And so what he will do is he will use this idea of privilege and say, you don't have the privilege of being called a child of God. You don't have the privilege of being, of being with God forever. You won't have that. And so what it comes out as is, I don't know if I'm actually saved. I don't know if I can be saved. I don't know if this, I, I mean, you know, I think I am. I'm not sure. What I want to tell you today is that is a, a demonic force that's coming on you trying to confuse you. Because here's what Jesus said about that. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one, no one, everybody say no one. No one, 
will snatch them out of my hand. No one. That means, thank you, that means no demon, no person, no one will snatch us out of Jesus' hand. When we believe in him, look what, look what else Jesus says. Whoever believes in the Son of Man has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son of Man will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. That's why when we come in here, we talk all the time about knowing Jesus, putting our faith in Jesus, putting our trust in Jesus so that we can know him. Because when we know him and when we have accepted him, when we believe in him, then we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, when Tosik Zeusia speaks in our ears and he says, you don't deserve it. You, you're, not, you're not privileged enough. You, you're not good enough. We can say, get behind me, Satan. Because I know that my Savior has saved me and I will never be taken from his hand. Get away from me. But you see, we have to know that. We have to know it. That's why the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness work together. And that's why, as you're going to see, the shield of faith and the the feet of the gospel of peace and, and the sword, they all work together to fight against the enemy. So that's the first thing that that we take away from God's protection of our vital organ is that we find that protection through Jesus' righteousness. And then here's here's something really, really important, and this is something where we can participate. It's kind of where the rubber meets the road for us, and it's this, that obedience to Jesus provides protection from the enemy. That's the second truth or the second way that the breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts. First is through the righteousness of Jesus. We know that there's nothing we can say or do that will ever cause us to be taken away from Jesus. Jesus has protected us. He's secured us. God welcomes us into his family. But then there is this way called obedience. And it's the way that we partner with God to claim victory in our life. Now, this is really where we struggle a lot. This is where we kind of get influenced by these spiritual forces and other spiritual forces. And, and sometimes we fall and we stumble. And, and listen, it's okay. It's going to happen. You're going to fall. You're going to stumble. We all are. But God will be right there with us. In fact, that's what we learn about obedience. Obedience brings two things, focus and God's presence. Focus and God's presence. In fact, Jesus said this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. You see, what Jesus was saying was was this. Daily, you're going to have to lay down the things that you want. You're going to have to pick up this cross, which is very heavy, which represents death, pain and struggle, and you're going to have to follow me because it's not natural for us to want to follow Jesus. But here's the thing. Jesus said the devil comes to lie, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal stuff from us. He wants to take everything from us. But he says that he came, Jesus said it himself, he says, I have come that you may have life. And that life comes as we follow Jesus daily, as we trust him with our lives. And that requires focus. So when we say no to ourselves and we say yes to Jesus, we begin to focus like a laser on the things that we need to do. And here's what happens. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but when you're really focused on something, does anything else really matter? Not really, right? 
Not really. And oftentimes this happens a lot with problems in our life. Like we focus a lot on our problems and we forget everything else, right? But Jesus is saying here, listen, if you will focus on me, if you will focus on me, take up your cross and follow me, you're going to find life. You're going to find that life that you've been looking for your whole entire physical life. It's found in me. So it brings focus. Then the next promise is that obedience brings the presence of God. So you remember when we were talking about the heart is the battleground where we wage war every day? Well, it happens as thoughts enter our mind, right? It's the thought life where really all of this stuff happens because once a thought, you know, is, is kind of conceived into action, that, that's when sin occurs, when it is not of God. And so the Apostle Paul gave us a very clear image, and as the breastplate of righteousness, this is part of affixing the breastplate of righteousness to us every day. And here's what he said. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And then he goes on to say this in Philippians chapter 4. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, Paul is very much making clear here that we need to change the way we think. Because that's where this battle is happening. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting them into practice. All that you learned and received from me. Man, that's important. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then he says this amazing statement. Then the God of peace will be with you. So you see, as we trust Jesus first as our Lord and Savior, we receive a new life in him. And part of this new life, God is transforming us into the image of his son. God wants us to be like Jesus. And the way he does that is by changing the way we think. Because ultimately, the way we think becomes what we believe, and we always act out of what we believe. So if you've believed in fear, you will act out of fear. But if you believe in the love and the power and the presence of God, you will act out of those things in confidence that he will work and be with you. So you see, for all of us, we all want peace, don't we? We all want peace in our life. And God will be with us. Now, check out this awesome promise that the Apostle Paul told us. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. So as we obey, as we focus on what God has put before us, as we rely on his presence by changing the way that we think, he is faithful and he will protect us from the evil one. That's the breastplate of righteousness. It protects our heart. Today, I believe that there are some in here who need to, for the very first time, give your heart to the one who created you. So I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads, and I'm going to just give you some time between you and, and God in this very intimate moment. Would you just tell him what you need? If you need him to be your Savior for the first time today, all you have to do is believe. Jesus said, just believe in me, and you'll receive eternal life. You'll receive a new life. If you've been following Jesus for any period of time and you've been struggling, you know, you've kind of felt the influence of these 
forces of evil that we talked about today, I want to encourage you in this moment, would you just invite God and rely on Jesus' righteousness and invite the power of the Holy Spirit into your life? Because here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14. When you love me more, you will obey me. And as you obey me, I will give you the helper, the Holy Spirit, who will lead you into all truth. And truth prevails against evil. It all makes sense, guys. It all works together. And so this morning, I want to just give you a moment between you and the Lord. And then I'll close this in prayer. Give us our commitment together. So just between you and God, tell him what you need right now. And he will meet you. couldn't live, we couldn't live, that you died the death that we should have died, that you were buried and raised back to life again three days later, overcoming sin and death forever, and now we can be hidden with you in God. Father, we don't deserve your grace. We know that. We know that we are not worthy, but God, because of Jesus, you have called us worthy, and we thank you. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter even what we've believed, you love us. And God, today you're calling us to yourself to believe in your son Jesus, to follow him each and every day. And so God, I pray for those who committed their lives to you for the first time today, I pray you would fill them up with your presence right now, that they would not be able to, to walk away from this amazing decision and commitment they've made to follow you because your presence is so powerful within them. And for the rest of us, God, I pray that you would cause us to rely on Jesus' righteousness when the devil lies to us. God, that you would cause us to trust you and and focus on you and rely on your presence as we walk in obedience with you. We pray you would do all of this in the powerful presence of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The take-home point for today is this. Obedience to Jesus protects our hearts. And I want to just say this one final thing. Okay, here it is. When we keep our hearts focused, when we keep our hearts focused, we keep our hearts protected. Distraction is one of the greatest tactics of the enemy. If he can distract us from the things of God, he can insert things into our lives that will eventually destroy us. So keeping our hearts focused keeps our hearts protected. Here's the commitment for today. I will pour out the breastplate of, uh, pour out, no. I will put on the breastplate of righteousness 
by obeying Jesus this week. I will put on the breastplate of righteousness by obeying Jesus this week. And you might not know what it means to obey Jesus, but I want to encourage you. Two very important ways where you can learn what it means is to read this book, His Word, the Bible, and to pray. Because in those two moments, He will teach you the truth and He will show you how to act. So I would encourage you to do that.